sports fan lives here on ESPN UP. Tanner Hoops with you Wednesday afternoon. Glad to have you along per usual. ABC 10 Wednesdays, that's per usual as well. And John Micah Hoefling in the studio with me. What's going on, Mike? Not much, man. Always good to be back. You know, good to be back on Wednesday. We're getting back into normalcy from before Christmas, before New Year's, so things are shaping up to be as they were, which I enjoy. Still really cold out there? Yeah, very, very cold. Your cheeks and nose are still red. Well, I'm just very merry, okay? <laughs> that must be it. It's not that you're from California trying to deal with whatever the temperature is out I there. I am right wearing now. one sweatshirt and a pair of khakis. Well, why would you do that? Because I, I feel like I can take it. <laughs> <laughs> and you I know, cannot. Our general manager, Tom Mogish, is always getting on me because I don't dress warmly enough. And, you know, he's from Minnesota, so he's dealt with this for his whole life. And he's always bundled up whenever he leaves the office or not. I'm one of those guys that just gets to my car as quick as possible and then turn on the heat and just try to warm up then. But I feel like it takes too... Like, I'm always in too much of a rush to bundle up, I feel like. Yeah, that's how it is for me, too. Plus, I just hate wearing multiple layers because then you have to take those layers off. Mm-hmm. You know, it's fine putting them on, but then each individual layer, it, you go out in the snow and they're all wet and stuff like that, and it's like, gosh. I'll get out there and I will wear a hat. I've got a big, fluffy, comfy hat. Mm-hmm. I, if it's bad enough, I'll wear gloves. If I know I need to be out there for an extended period of time, I'll wear gloves. I'm not a boot guy, though. I'm not one of those people who's going to like walk in with boots, even though it would probably save a lot of slippage for me i'm not gonna walk in carrying my shoes and then switch it off in the office i get made fun of a lot for not wearing boots yeah near see? enough so yeah i mean i have a pair of boots i just don't wear them all that often i'll wear them with it if it's thick snow but if sure. it's just like how it is today no nah. isn't thick snow easier to walk on though instead of like ice i have no idea i well, feel like it I, is. I, I i've slipped twice this year mm. on ice uh so, yeah, I mean, ice is definitely the hardest thing to walk on. Right. right? Yeah. Right. Yeah. I mean, and it's, it's, it's weird. Like, hockey ice, when I was in Sioux City and I was doing on-ice reports and what have you with the USHL, I had no problem walking on that ice. It's this jagged surface ice that, like, just randomly freezes, you know. Well, I feel like hockey ice is meant to be smooth and meant to be, And it you is, know. and that's what I mean. The outside, like, if I'm walking to work here, I'll slip every day because it's jagged ice. It's not smooth. It's not flat, anything like hockey. Plus, There's you're no on Zamboni. a hill. Yeah, I'm on a hill. It's the other <laughs> thing. The office is built on a hill here on Front Street. So... Yeah, that's why I, I, you know, I live close enough. They're like, why don't you walk to work? I'm like, that's why I don't walk to work, you know, because <laughs> I am tired of straining my hip muscles every time I slip on the ice and what have you. Yeah, I like slipped the other day. I feel like I had like a pinched nerve in my back because I did something in my back. I don't know what it was. It might have been slipping, and then my foot went numb, and I'm like, that's not good. So. Yeah, you were telling me about that <laughs> yesterday, and we were like, you should get that checked, and you're like, nah, it's fine. I got another one. <laughs> I got another Amputations, <laughs> whatever. We'll see. We'll deal with it. When, Are you uh, feeling it now? No. Mr. Krabs? Uh, well, uh, right. <laughs> I tell you what. we got a lot to get to today in the realm of sports. We've got Tom Brady and the Patriots, but we've got another Boston team that might be cheaters themselves. The XFL, that's starting to heat up. We're about a month away from kicking that off. Plus, we got some college football news, NFL news, because I haven't touched on the NFL coaching stuff enough. I've been saving that for our talented uh, friends of the show here coming up throughout the week. Plus, we've got our pick'em standings, and that's where I want to start. 
And since we've been doing this new format, which you actually were the architect of, Michael, and I see why, because you had the best week of anybody hey, last it's week. it's a flash in the pan, folks. It's Man, not, it's not gonna, it's not gonna hold. You're right back into this thing. So here are the standings this week. Jake is still on top at, uh, 56 and 32. I'm one game back at 55 and 33. Ryan's one game back of me at 54 and 34. Tyree's one game back of Ryan at 53 and 35. And then you, are coming in at 49 and 39. Yep, only person without 50. I, I had the best week, and I'm still eight games back. Well, here's the thing. Uh, every game this week is worth four, oh. either wins or losses, oh. because it doubles oh. from last week. So if you get if you finish two games better than everybody else this week, you will at least, well, you would take the lead. Yeah. You would take the lead. Yeah. So how about that? You yeah. have a chance to get right back into this thing. I do have a chance, but... Uh, uh, it means I have to make some risky picks. No, that's what got you into this hole. <laughs> no, 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 no. Yes. I got in this hole, and then I had to start making more risky picks to get out no. of it. No, no. I mean, let's see. Who you, who you picked I last week? I picked a Tennessee last week. That was a risky yeah, pick. Yeah, but you had reasoning for doing that. Yeah, I'm going to pick them again this week. Are you really? Yes. You're going to pick them to beat Baltimore? Yep. Are you sure? Nope. Okay, because it's like four losses. You're going to get into a deeper hole. <laughs> I mean, you think about it. The Super Bowl is one game. That'll be worth 16 in the win or loss column. So, depending... But here's the thing. Like, let's say it's Ravens and Niners, okay? Mm -hmm. A lot of people are going to pick the Ravens, right? Like, let's say... So, here's the thing. If If you guys are ahead by anything, by any stretch of the imagination, ahead by anything, by the Super Bowl, I need to pick the teams that you guys don't pick. Right. But here's the thing. Like, let's say you and Jake... One of you picks the Ravens, one of you picks the Niners. There's no way I can catch up, which means I need to catch up now, like now in these weeks. All right, all right. If you want to pick Baltimore to lose to Tennessee, you go <laughs> ahead and do that this week, John Michael Hoefling. As an analyst, though, if we didn't have any kind of standings on the line, would Baltimore. you still pick that way? No. It would be Baltimore. <laughs> so you think it is Baltimore, but you're going to hope for Tennessee. I'm going to hope. I mean, right. it's, the, it's the same sort of thing I hoped last week. I, do, I, I did genuinely think Tennessee would win last week, but... This one, I think Tennessee's still a very hot team. They're yeah. they're probably the second hottest team in the AFC behind Baltimore. So, all right, all yeah. right, I respect it. How about the game that's occurring earlier that day on Saturday? Vikings at Forty ers So I wouldn't be surprised if the Vikings take this one, mm-hmm. but I'm picking the Niners. Okay, I think that the biggest problem for the Vikings is their secondary, but the biggest problem for the Niners is Jimmy G, which Mm. I think matches up very well for Minnesota. But other than that, I think that every single facet of the 49ers defense is better than every single facet of the Vikings defense. You switch that, every single facet of the Vikings offense, other than tight end and offensive line, is better than every single facet of the Niners offense. How weird is it that the Vikings seem to have the edge offensively? against an offensive genius head coach and the Niners have the edge defensively against a really good defensive scheming head coach. Personnel, man. Isn't that great? Yeah. I love it. So you've got the Niners. I don't know yet. I'm. It's going to come down to the wire for me. I haven't made a decision on this one yet because I do think it's entirely possible Minnesota goes there and wins. Can we do this by the spread? By the spread. The spread is... Vikings are nine-point underdogs. Would you take the Vikings then for sure? I would take the Vikings to cover that for sure. Yeah, okay. Yeah, I I don't know. I am I need to think about this one a little bit more. Okay. Uh, it, you know, I don't know. We'll, we'll figure this one out later in the week. How about the Sunday afternoon game? You've got Houston at Kansas City. 
No, that's Kansas City. Think so? Houston doesn't deserve to be here in general. <laughs> if they were playing a quarterback other than Josh Allen last yeah, week, Josh Allen was making some bad reads, oh, man. man. What was it that what he tried to do, like lateral the ball with 90 seconds left? What was he doing? That, that wasn't even anything, man. We're just talking about his passes. There were several times where the sa- you would see the safety start to come down, and then mm-hmm. somebody's on a post route, which means they're going to be over the top of the safety. The safety's abandoning the middle of the field, and he checks down instead instead of taking those shots. So Josh Allen was not a good quarterback last week. How about the evening game on Sunday, Seattle at Green Bay? Um, this is so here's the thing. I think Seattle's the better team. Okay. But I think that Seattle is very cold lately. I also don't think that Green Bay has played very well against anyone particularly. Mm-hmm. It's in Green Bay. I don't know, man. That one's This one's the toughest one of the week for By me. By the way, I agree with you on Kansas City. I'm picking oh, yeah. them too. Yeah. For the same reason. I don't know, man. I just... Um, this one... This is the I'll, toughest one. I'll give you a second to think about it while I give the audience my pick. Okay. I am going with Green Bay to do this. You give me this matchup in the regular season, whatever stadium it's played in, and I would probably say Seattle. But Green Bay, being at Lambeau, Russell Wilson struggled to put up points against a really depleted Eagles secondary last week. They just kind of looked anemic, you know. They, I know Philly's a tough place to go and play, but so is Lambeau, and it's not going to get any easier this weekend coming up to the Tundra. Plus, for whatever reason, Russell Wilson struggles when he goes to Lambeau. Like, that has not been a kind field for him. He's put up some of his career worst games there for whatever reason. I don't think it's the weather because he played for the Badgers, but i got to say Green Bay is probably going to win this one. I'm going to say Seattle. Are you? Yeah, Just because I'm going Green Bay? I mean, that's part of it. But um, Russell Wilson has been better on the road this year than he has been at home. The, the, I mean, they lost five games this year. Four of those losses came at home. They were a 500 team at home, which mm-hmm. I think the fact that they're a wild card team this year actually helps them. If they got that three seed, I think they'd actually be a worse contender for the Super Bowl. Mm. But continuing on uh, about that, what is Green Bay's best asset defensively? It's their linebacking core, their front seven. Mm-hmm. However, the... the Seahawks are now relying on a backfield of Marshawn Lynch, Travis Homer, and Robert Turbin, mm. which isn't exactly the most stable back. So I no. think they're going to rely more on Russell Wilson and what he can do, and that's where I think the Seahawks are going to be able to take advantage because as many turnovers as the Green Bay defense has been able to force this year, Russell Wilson can evade. He knows how to improvise. He knows how to do things like that, and he doesn't turn the ball over as often as other quarterbacks do. So I think that it's going to be a big game for people like Josh Hollister, DK Metcalf, of course, is going to be a good one as well. I think that Russell Wilson is going to be there. I do think it's going to be really close, though. I think it's going to be something like 24-26 or something like All that. All right. Hey, you know, and I see your point there. Um, I just I can't pick against Green Bay in this one. The cold weather, Aaron Jones, I think, is set to have a big game. Time possession will be a huge factor. Green Bay is just going to be able to run the ball better than Seattle. Although, Pete Carroll did say Marshawn Lynch is going to be used more heavily this week. Do we buy that? Do no, we believe that? I, I don't. I, I, it's for the same reason. I think that Green Bay is going to go up early because I think that Seattle might stick to that game plan for maybe a quarter and a half, and I mm-hmm. think it'll be something like it'll be like 17-3 to three at sure. half or something like something like that. But in the uh, in the second half, I feel like it's just, they're just going to go, all right, Russell Wilson, do your thing, and I don't think that Green Bay's secondary can handle Russell Wilson. I do th- I agree with you that Hollister, the tight end for Seattle, is going to have a monster day. 
Green Bay struggled covering good tight ends this year, and it goes back to that linebacking core. It's they a good are, core. They're just they really are. good against the run. They don't have that lateral movement to cover big tight ends. They don't cover the pass well. They can blitz the quarterback well. They mm-hmm. can get to the backfield, but they really struggle when it comes to covering tight ends. Yeah, and because they're so good at blitzing, I imagine that that's what they're going to do a lot of the time, and that's mm-hmm. going to force like a nickel to be on Josh Hollister, and you you got to throw that every single time. So I tell you what, that's pick them. Every game this week is going to be worth either four wins or four losses. So, Mike, there's a chance you could be in first place by the end of the week. There's weekend. also a chance I'm dead last still, so <laughs> can only go up. Tell you what, I'm going to give you this. This could be stat of the day. Pro Football Focus listed the salaries of all remaining playoff quarterbacks. Did you see this? It's pretty much veteran experience and very... Um, lopsided contracts going up against the young guns who are still on their rookie deals or in one's case backup money you say veteran leadership and then i look at jimmy g who started as many games as patrick mahomes he's been in the league longer than people think because he's only been a starter the last couple of years yeah but here's the thing Every quarterback that's left in the NFC, all four quarterbacks there, you take your pick of whatever one, and he makes more money per season than all four remaining AFC quarterbacks combined. Mm -hmm. You can take your pick. It could be Cousins, Garoppolo, Wilson, or Rodgers, and he makes more money than Jackson, Watson, Mahomes, and Tannehill combined, three of which are still on their rookie deals. Tannehill was brought in to be a backup. He's getting backup money. Yeah, Tannehill never got (laughs) a chance to start after his rookie contract. No, and that is going to change this offseason because somebody is going to be paying him big money. So do you think Tannehill got good all of a sudden because of Rabel and that system? No, I, I, I really like Arthur Smith, their offensive coordinator. I've liked him for a long time, and I thought he should have been getting looks as a head coach. Uh, he's only 37 years old, and he's one of those young, developing minds. I think he's going to be a great head coach in the league someday. I think that he's had a lot to do with it. Plus, you just subtract Adam Gase. And it, it's worked yeah. wonders for him. It's yeah. worked wonders for Minka Fitzpatrick, too. Yeah, it has, really. That, that's something, man. <laughs> Tell you what. Let's take our first time out. When we come back, let's talk about some of these head coaches in the NFL and what we've learned so far. Next on ESPN-UP. Check out the UP's live and local sports talk show, The Sports Pen. Weekday afternoons at 4 on ESPN-UP and on the ESPN-UP app. Welcome back to Andrew Hoops. John Michael Hoefling with you. Glad to have you along. Well, a couple of dominoes fell in the NFL coaching carousel yesterday. We talked a little bit about that, but we were dominated by baseball and Northern Michigan athletics yesterday. So we're going to jump into it today with John Michael. The Panthers hired Matt Rule. And then about an hour later, the New York Giants announced they are taking Joe Judge. That means the Cleveland Browns are the only team left without a head coach. What I'm wondering, Michael, you look at the hires this week, those two plus Mike McCarthy heading to Dallas, did anybody really find their perfect match? Like, is anybody really happy with their hire? Because the vibe I get is just kind of meh from everybody. I think the one team should be very happy about who they got, and it's a team you didn't mention, the Washington, Washington Redskins. Redskins. They are the best with hire. Robert Rivera, yeah. But you're, ta- you're talking about, is any team happy with who they chose? And I think that Dallas is happy with who they chose. Yeah. And I think they're happy because the fact is that you're the Dallas Cowboys. The Dallas Cowboys are what the New York Knicks think they are, mm. which is some sort of great destination with a bunch of talent and a well-run sort of good culture that inspires greatness. When you hear the Dallas Cowboys, you think football, right? You don't think that about the New York Knicks anymore, right? So it's just like you have to imagine that they had a lot of people vying for that spot. 
you have to imagine that a lot of people, maybe a little better than Mike McCarthy, were even vying for that spot. So the fact that they chose Mike McCarthy just makes me think, of all the people who wanted it, they went with him. So they have to feel really good about him. I just wonder what the Dallas Cowboy fans feel like, because I don't get that they're excited from this. I don't get I, that vibe. I'm very eh about it, and I know a lot of people are very eh about it. My friend, uh, I have a friend who works in Texas right now, so Dallas Cowboys area, mm. and he says that he thinks uh, Cowboys fans should be thrilled about this, because... Mike McCarthy, of course, won a Super Bowl, and he thinks that if it wasn't for Aaron Rodgers and uh, Rodgers' ego, uh, McCarthy would have been looked upon much more firmly, much Absolutely. much better mm -hmm. th this year during what I agree with that, Absolutely. You know, and there's the thing, Will Kane brought this up earlier this week. You look at the resume of Mike McCarthy, Sean Payton, Tony Dungy side by side, they're all pretty similar. If you did a blind resume test just based on the number of Super Bowls, they've all won one, but wins, wins in the playoffs, they're all pretty similar. I don't know that someone without a name attached to it or any kind of history attached to it would be able to differentiate Payton's resume from Dungy's or Mike McCarthy's. And yet the reputation is so vastly different for those three coaches, the reputations, I should say. And I wonder how much of that has to do with the way things ended in Green Bay. I think that absolutely is the driving force behind that. I think it's a driving force. And when you talk about Sean Payton, Sean Payton has had other headlines sort of, sort of crowd his thing. So it's like, yeah, he has he's had the same amount of Super Bowls as McCarthy did in Green Bay, but he's had other things. The Minneapolis Miracle, okay, you got to give him that one. You give him that loss, that's fine. Boom. Nickel, uh Roby Coleman, mm -hmm. uh, the pass interference. Okay, you got to give him that one too. And all of a sudden it's turning into this thing of, oh, he's not bad. He's just getting really unlucky. Bounty Gate still is a whole thing. Bounty Gate, absolutely. Yeah, so that's still another storyline that uh, follows him and stuff like that. So I think that it's less based about their success and more based about the storylines that have followed them. So do you think that was offensive pass interference against Kyle Rudolph Sunday, just to touch on that point? Nope. You don't think so? Nope. I haven't actually given my opinion on air on that, and I do believe by rule it was, but there's no way that that was going to get called. No, I mean, so obviously I work a lot with Tyree Smith mm -hmm. over at the station and whatnot. <laughs> uh, he's a former football player. Is he still in Florida? No, he he's back. He's now. back, and yeah. he is a big Saints fan. So yes. he, how's he doing? He this week? he even told me that he did not think that was pass interference. Okay. He said, as a former football player. No, that's not pass interference. People mm -hmm. do that all the time. It was barely any sort of thing. Like it was just, it was just a football move. It's like you slow that down and you watch it, you know, frame by frame. Yeah, I guess by rule, by definition, but real time, yeah, it looks like a football play. And usually, you're going to go with what's called in the field. Yeah, it, it just doesn't make any sense to call that. I think it was a good football move. And I mean, as Tyree said, people just do it all the time. As a fan, he said, yeah, that's definitely pass interference, mm -hmm. but. I tell you what, though, you look at Sean Payton and the reputation he has as compared to Mike McCarthy, and, you know, they both won Super Bowls, but the way that they've been able to have relationships with the quarterback that they won those Super Bowls with says a lot about those two and their repu uh, reputation. And Drew Brees is still with Sean Payton. They still seem to have a good relationship. Mike McCarthy and Aaron Rodgers absolutely had that big fallout. But I wonder, is there another driving force behind the difference in reputation besides those two having similar successes throughout their professional career? And I wonder if it's because Sean Payton has been more successful more recently. Sean Payton is a guy like Andy Reid that changes with the times. He changes his offense 
and he is willing to adjust and adapt to the new NFL. Mike McCarthy was so old school when he was still with the Packers. He was still coaching like he was 10 years in the past during his last couple of years in Green Bay, and he spent this offseason in a barn in Wisconsin with former football coaches just talking strategy, watching film, and I wonder if that gap year, I mean, he used that gap year as well as anybody could if they're trying to get acclimated to modern football. Well, not only that, I think... uh, yeah, he did use it. Uh, he did use it very well, and I think he's going to adjust pretty dang well with the Dallas Cowboys. This does mean the end of Zeke's career, <laughs> Un- unfortunately. <laughs> he's never rushing for a thousand yards no, again. Nope. But um, I think more so than Sean Payton being successful lately, it's just the fact that the Packers have been successful without Mike McCarthy lately. Mm-hmm. So if the Packers this year well, they went six nine and one uh, two years ago, right? Yep. So if the Packers this past year went eight and eight. Nobody would bat an eye about Mike McCarthy, mm-hmm. but the fact that the Packers went thirteen and three, got a bye, went back to the playoffs, I think that has a lot to do with it too. Rather than Sean Payton doing well and stuff like that, yeah, Sean Payton's doing well, but I think that I think his whole dilemma has to do with the fact that nobody else trusts anybody in, in New Orleans. It's only Sean Payton who's been the guy, and you really don't know how else that team would look without him. Before we come up on the break, I want to talk to you about the two dominoes that fell yesterday. Matt Rule to the Panthers and Joe Judge to the Giants. It seemed like Matt Rule and the Giants had mutual interest in each other, and I don't mean just they were, you know, like, if this happens, it happens. I mean, they seemed like they really wanted each other. And this is one report that says uh, this is what happened yesterday with how that went down, is David Tepper, who's a very wealthy man, he's a new owner to the NFL, he went out to Waco and tried to recruit Matt Rule to come to the Panthers. So he gives Matt Rule this extremely lucrative contract offer for seven years with incentives to get to $70 million, about $60 million in guaranteed money for a guy that's coming out of college. And Matt Rule calls the Giants and says, I just got this offer from the Panthers, but, you know, I, I really like your organization. I'm going to give you the chance to match it. And the Giants said, we would love to match it, but we do need to go through the interview process. We need to do our due diligence, and we need to be professional and finish out our interviews. And Matt Rule said, I can't wait that long. I can't wait and see if the Panthers risk if the Panthers are going to move on to somebody else and offer them this kind of money, and there's still no guarantee that I'm even going to be your head coach. So Matt Rule took the Panthers' job. As he should. As he should. I mean, that, I don't think either side did the wrong thing. The Giants were being professional and finishing the interview process, even though they didn't get the guy they seemed to want. But Matt Rule, when you got that kind of money, that deal on the table, you got to take it. Yeah, I don't think, well, it's that kind of money. But keep in mind, as you said, it's a lot of it is incentives. In fact, Matt Rule is only making 4000 more uh, in base salary with the Carolina Panthers than he was making in his first year. First year as the head coach of Temple back in 2013. So I do think he's betting on himself a lot, which I wouldn't do if you're in Carolina's situation with mm-hmm. a with no quarterback as of right now, no idea what's going to happen. You're the Christian McCaffrey's right now. So I, I think it's a risky move by him. I would have taken a look at the Giants and stuff like that, but he's betting on himself. It's worked on people in the past. Who knows? I mean, a seven-year deal, at least $60 million, though, you can't turn that down to go to the NFL. Yeah, I mean... You can't. you, you got to bet on yourself when that's on the table. You can get fired. <laughs> you could, it's but you're se- still getting $60 million. Yeah, I mean, it's... I mean, yeah. It's, there are a lot of good things about it, and you can't be too upset about it. 
but I, I think that doing an incentive, a deal with so many incentives based on it is just not a good move for a head coach going to a team that just went 5-11, and 11, lost their last nine games. So I, I don't know how comfortable well, I feel. Maybe he did that because the bar is so low. Maybe it's, what, what did they go this year, 5-11? and 11? You win seven games this year. Maybe they're like the U of Minnesota the, the, with PJ Fleck. Yeah, then maybe maybe that's the case. <laughs> We're not even talking about how Carolina should feel about hiring Matt Rule. I don't feel comfortable with Carolina hiring Matt Rule really? either. You don't, don't like Matt Rule? I think this is a lose lose in both situations. Really? Well, it's, not, it's 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 a lose lose. Look what he did though at Temple and Baylor. Baylor I, I, was on their deathbed like three years. ago. I don't ago. like hiring coaches out of college. Really? I, just, I just don't. I just don't. You, that's they, fair. They've not proven anything yet they can run a college system cliff kingsbury are you joking why would you hire cliff kingsbury yes, they got kyler murray they didn't have kyler murray at the time they, were they knew get, they could get yeah, kyler yeah, yeah. murray but still it's like i don't know cliff had a losing record in college yeah that's bad and it's just like oh i mean he looks good and he air raid right so just you mean he physically there. looks good yeah 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 physically <laughs> um and it's it's just the same sort of thing. Nick Saban didn't work out in college. Urban Meyer, Lincoln Riley, they don't have jobs is because people are noticing that maybe they won't work out of college or stuff like that. I don't know. But most of the time, other than Jim Harbaugh, uh, most of the time, coaches that go straight from college to the NFL just don't work out. And I, I just don't like it. I'm trying to think of the last college coach that was successful in the NFL. Who Jim made Harbaugh. the jump? No, didn't he? Oh, yeah, he did. He was at Stanford first. That's right. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, but besides him. Exactly. Yeah, who else is? Uh, there's got to be somebody in the NFL right now, isn't there? Is there somebody? You can, th- you can think about it, but I, I don't I, know. I, I, if I'm, you're talking about straight success, like strong success in the NFL, not really. And a lot of that can be attributed to just Bill Belichick being dominant. But Sean McVay was great uh, for the Redskins. He did a lot of good things. Kyle Shanahan was with the Redskins. Like, it, it's just... Pete Carroll. Yeah. Okay, there. There, Pete, I knew Pete I'd Carroll. come up with somebody. But Pete it's, Carroll. It's a dime a dozen, whereas you can right. take an offensive coordinator and something like that, and it just works out so much better. Not a Belichick offensive coordinator, because those never work out, and we'll talk about that in like five seconds. Yeah, but, hopefully a special teams coordinator. <laughs> yeah. But I'd, I'd much rather, if I was an NFL GM or an owner, I would much rather look at coordinators or people who are just in NFL uh, societies running NFL style offensive defensive special teams before I look at the college coach I tell you what I'm, I want to see if Matt Rule is bringing that smock to Carolina with him I love his smock one thing I'm, I don't like about Matt Rule also though is that Matt Rule didn't tell his players no, his players I, found I, out I, on I, social I media agree. I agree you know and I, and I think they handled it really well Charlie Brewer the quarterback there put something on social media very classy I, I don't like that I agree with you um, I don't know, but he's going to the NFL. He's going to get a shot in Care Rule Lina, you know, with an mm-hmm. incentive deal. I mean, sixty million guaranteed, ten million incentives. So much incentive he puts an extra unnecessary H in his last name. I love it. Mm-hmm. I'm all right with that. Yeah, we do have to take a timeout, but let's talk about the Giants hire when we come back on ESPN UP. Check out the UP's live and local sports talk show, The Sports Pen, weekday afternoons at four on ESPN UP and on the ESPN UP app. Welcome back to The Sports Pen on ESPN UP. Tanner Hoops, John Michael Hoefling with you. Glad you're along. Here's your Sports Center update. Bad news for the Lakers. Anthony Davis left last night's game against the Knicks with a tailbone injury after a hard fall when attempting a block. That's ironic because he turned down a long-term extension from the Lakers yesterday. Mm-hmm. 
But he'll be back. He's going to miss some time, but uh, he'll re-sign with L.A. in the summer. Yep. Just do it for more money. Uh, other injury news, Blake Griffin underwent successful surgery on his left knee. He is out indefinitely. Baltimore Orioles reliever Miguel Castro posted on Instagram this week that he was robbed at gunpoint outside of his training facility in the Dominican Republic. Castro says that the robber's gun jammed when they attempted to shoot him at point-blank range, allowing Castro to escape. He says, I'm alive by the grace of God. It is ironic because last night I was watching the movie The Relic. Have you ever seen that? No. The Relic? It's It's like from 1997. And what's the guy's name? Tom Sizemore. It plays a cop in Chicago, and he was talking about how he basically had the same thing happen to him. Like, he, a robber pointed a gun at him point blank, and it jammed, and apparently the same thing happened yesterday, the same day I watched that movie. Same thing happens in real life to Miguel Castro. Yeah. I don't get why people would even shoot if they're robbing somebody. The whole point is that you don't shoot. The whole point is that you right. just get the money, and then you can't get charged for murder. Because if you rob somebody, yeah, like... That's unfortunate, and, you know, you should go to jail for it. But the cops aren't going to look for you for that long. Murder, on the other hand, mm. they'll look for you for, for years. <laughs> and finally, if you were to behead a cockroach, it would still live for nine more days before it starts to die. Thank you. Thank you for that. <laughs> That's your Sports Center update. Glad that you're along. We know a nuclear blast can't kill them, so if you need to kill a cockroach, behead it. And wait nine days. Or you could. It has two brains. It has one in its head and one in its uh, one in its stomach. I'm pretty sure. So that I, right? think, I think that's why it can survive if you mm-hmm. cut off its head. How about that? I used to watch a lot of Animal Planet. Dude. Did you really? Yeah, a lot. Okay. Why? <laughs> <laughs> because man, do you remember the show The Most Extreme? No, oh, I didn't watch man. Animal Planet. Okay, well you should have because The Most Extreme was the best. It was a countdown list, and it was the most extreme like survivalists, the most extreme swimmers, the most extreme predators, stuff like that. And it was just lists of top tens in the animal kingdom, and it gave you a detail of why they were so cool, and it was awesome. And they had these green graphics comparing it to humans and stuff like that. Great stuff. If Animal Planet wants a resurgence, bring back The Most Extreme. I feel like you and my dog would be friends because that's his favorite show is Animal Planet. Really? I give my dog you, you, a certain favorite? amount of time oh, with yeah, the of remote. Co- of, yeah. course, of course your dog was in. I, I just realized what you said. <laughs> I tell you what, uh, some dominoes fell yesterday in the NFL coaching carousel, including Joe Judge to the New York Giants. Now, there was a rumor that came out that said the Giants were still requesting permission from the Dallas Cowboys to, I don't know why they have to request permission to interview a guy that they fired for the offensive coordinator position, but the Giants reportedly wanted Jason Garrett to be their offensive coordinator. The Giants then, uh, this was after we signed off air yesterday because I did report it on air. After we signed off, the Giants uh, dispelled that rumor. They said, no, we did not contact the Cowboys to make Jason Garrett the offensive coordinator. We did contact him about being our head coach, but Joe Judge is going to pick his own staff. It's not going to be us reaching out to someone interviewing a coordinator. Um, I did see the rumor yesterday. I saw that Matt Rule was hired, and then I saw the Giants were interested in Jason Garrett, and my heart sank. And I was more relieved than anything just to see someone who wasn't Jason Garrett get hired. I don't think a lot of people knew about Joe Judge, really, and it, but I, I don't know why... What made him attractive to the Giants? Or at least I didn't. I have a theory. Every single New England Patriot receiver this year either underperformed or underachieved or drastically underachieved. (laughs) So why is he the guy that you're looking at now? I mean, It hasn't always been the case. This year was an outlier. 
I mean, I mean, they had good special teams, but how much of that can be attributed to Matthew Slater, arguably the greatest special teams player of all time? Mm-hmm. And uh, I'm not. Who was their returner this year? Um, was it, it was Edelman at the yeah. last return of the season. Is it still Cordero Patterson? Because Cordero Patterson was no, all he's pro with this Bears. Year. Yeah, yeah, that's what I thought. I didn't want to say that, but I, I don't know who their returner is to be honest with you. But my theory with this is he's not meant to be a schemer because he was a position coach, not even like a offensive or defensive coordinator. But they pull up a position coach. Do we remember the last position coach they got brought on? The Giants? No, 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 just in the NFL. Zach Taylor, QB coach. Uh, <laughs> Worked out great. I do, it was the Bengals. He wasn't built to succeed there. They weren't built to succeed this year anyway. I, 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 it's, I think you need... I don't like college coaches, and I don't like positional coaches. Mm-hmm. Going straight to... It was, has there ever been one? I can't think of any. Of what? Just a positional coach that went on to be a head coach straight from their positional job. And did well. No, oh, I'm sure we can find one. I'm if sure we can find enough. one. Yeah, if we look enough. But it's just like the fact that none come to mind immediately. It's just it just goes to show. I tell you what, though, I think about why the Giants made this move. And to your point, my choice for Giants head coach yesterday would have been Eric Bieniemy. After Matt Rule was taken off, Eric Bieniemy to me is the guy that they should have went for. Honestly, I feel bad for him. What more does that guy have to do? Andy Reid is out there vouching for him. He has uh, had a big factor in Patrick Mahomes' development. I would have liked to seen him get the job, but with Joe Judge, this is my theory why the Giants would take a position coach or a special teams coordinator. Or somebody from Belichick. Well, the, maybe they saw what Mike Vrabel did on Saturday, and they're like, Mike Vrabel never coached under Belichick, though. No, did but he, he played for him. That doesn't matter. He won three Super Bowls with him. It does matter. Doesn't he knows matter. how Belichick works. Doesn't matter. Yes, it matters. He doesn't knows matter. how Belichick works. If you works. don't coach under Bill Belichick, if you coach under Bill Belichick, I'll never take you. If if you did, if you played for him, sure, yeah, why not? But, yeah. I tell you what, though. Hey, how about this, though? Uh, the last... Four games that Belichick has coached against a former assistant or player, he's lost all of them. That yep. hasn't been the case. No, no, That's but it weird. is now. Bill yeah. O'Brien, Brian Flores, uh, Matt Patricia, and now Vrabel. Wow. That's about that? Hmm. I tell you what, though, this is my theory on why the Giants went with Joe Judge. You think about the last three coaches the Giants have had. They had Pat Shermer, a great coordinator, but he struggled whenever he's tried to lead a locker room, whether it be with New York or with Cleveland. Yeah, Ben McAdoo, who had never been a head coach before, and he was not a guy you could take seriously, it seemed like. I mean, he was just kind of a weird guy. And before that, Tom Coughlin, who was a leader, but extremely militant and extremely old school. What if the Giants didn't so much want someone who could scheme, but they said, we need a leader. We need a culture guy. We need somebody that you're going to play for that is going to you're going to get guys to run through a wall for you because he's not only been an assistant to Belichick he's been an assistant to Nick Saban and I wonder if that was the reasoning behind this for New York because they've gone with schemers they've gone with McAdoo and Shermer who's who will have an offensive coordinator job whenever he wants one maybe they just want a culture guy how is Joe Judge a culture guy because he studied at the feet of Belichick and Saban how is that a culture guy Since when has anybody taken a look at anything from Belichick or Saban and gone, hey, they created a culture? What do you mean? Of course they've created culture. Saban at Bama? No, Saban Saban and Belichick have. Yeah, that's what I mean. None of their assistants have. Well, that's what I mean, is he's he's learned from both of them. And I wonder if this was the risk the Giants were willing to take. If the Giants are 
basically asking Judge now to bring Belichick's culture to New York, that's not going to end pretty. But what the thing is, they were tired. This is my theory. They're tired of looking for schemers. They thought, we got to go for culture rather than scheme. And who is the best culture guy that's available out there? Well, maybe this is a guy we should take a chance on. I mean, I think that the... Uh, That's my theory. I think that Andy Reid's offensive coordinator, can't remember his name right now. The enemy. The enemy, thank you. Yeah, but I he's want, more of a schemer. He might be more of a schemer, but you're talking about good cultures. Kansas City is a really great culture right they now. They do. They do, but they wanted to take a chance on the guy that's learned from both Belichick and Saban. When will people learn from history, man? Belichick people just don't work out. I think this is more of taking a chance, the Giants. He'll be gone in two years anyway if he doesn't work out. New York is a very short leash. Mm-hmm. This tweet came up from Adam Schefter last night. Someone started retweeting. It was from 2012, and Schefter was covering the Alabama-Mississippi State game when when Joe Judge was still at Mississippi State, and apparently he grabbed somebody and threw him over the bench, and somehow he got away with it without reprimanding or anything hey, like that. I mean, if you can do stuff like that, I'm a 49ers fan. We, we had a couple years of Mike Singletary who did stuff like that. So <laughs> He got away with it during college. So yeah. if that's culture, all right. I don't know. But that's my theory is why the Giants would go after Joe Judge. So now they've got to start figuring out the coordinator positions. A lot of teams do. Uh, you mentioned that Washington, though, has made the best offseason hired. I agree with that, absolutely. But they got kind of a two-for-one. They get Jack Del Rio to go and be the defensive coordinator to Riverboat Run. Yeah. It's a good deal. Yeah, it is a good deal. I like it. I like that. I just don't know why they'd want the Washington job. I think that was far from the best job out there. I mean, if there's anybody who... I think Ron Rivera did create a pretty good culture with uh, Carolina. Absolutely. I mean, Cam is a huge personality, and the fact that he was able to handle that at all, I think is just a good sign that he is a good coach in general. So the fact that he could do that, and now he's taking on an even worse organization with the worst culture, mm-hmm. I think that's going to be good. Plus, he's got the, the most... the best quarterback in the league. Alex He Smith. does. He does not have Alex Smith. We don't know if Alex Smith is ever going to play again. I'm sorry. We don't know. We can't factor can't that stand, in. I can't stand that right now. I know. I know. And I hope Alex Smith comes back because football is better with him. But we don't know. We can't bank on that. Right now, they're the fighting Haskins. Right now, they got to work with Dwayne Haskins. Oh, it's gross. I know it is. They also have to work with Dan Snyder, and that's even more gross. Yeah. The two least attractive jobs out there, This uh, at least this hiring cycle, were the two that, non-coincidentally, have the two worst owners in the NFL, the Fighting Snyders down in Washington, D.C., and the Fighting Jimmy Haslam's in Cleveland. (laughs) Yeah. And they're still the ones looking for a head coach, and it makes me think they're going after somebody who's still got a team in the playoffs, whether that be Eric Bieniemy, Don Martindale, Greg Roman, Robert Sala, Robert Sala, maybe. Yeah, don't take Robert Sala. <laughs> I tell you what, they uh, uh, Michael Lafleur. Yeah, that's true too. Yeah, Michael Lafleur. I do think, out there. except like I've said, that's a positional group. So, I know. Um, I, I, I like like we've talked about. I think just enemy is the best option. And I would say, I would think so. He, he's the like he we he, we know what he did with Mahomes, and you know how I feel about Andy Reid assistants. Mm-hmm. He's the best of both worlds for you and I. If there yeah, was just some sort so. of conglomerate, that's why that I said I wanted to. the Giants to get him. Yeah. Yep. Yep. They should have, man. They, they should have. I would have thought, but uh, they apparently like what they have with Joe Judge. So I mean, I think not? that I think that uh, is Cleveland's offensive personnel better than Kansas City's. Um, like talent wise, they they're pretty darn good. They're the are they better than Kansas City though? I don't know. Baker don't know Mayfield's not close. Baker Mayfield's not close to Patrick Mahomes. No. 
Travis Kelsey is way above David Njoku, mm-hmm. but the receivers are better. They I, and the running ba- and the running backs are better. I can buy that. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't know. How about the offensive lines? I, th- I think they're about equal. I'd probably give the edge slightly to KC. To KC, I was going to say give it slightly to Cleveland. Really? Yeah. Really? With Mitchell Schwartz and Trent Williams? I like Mitchell Schwartz. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. But I also like Joel Bentonio, and I like people like that. So. All right. All right. Fair enough. Let's take our last time out when we come back. I am just fascinated with the XFL. Plus, what does the future hold for a couple of Boston sports franchises? Next on ESPN-UP. Check out the UP's live and local sports talk show, The Sports Pen. Weekday afternoons at 4 on ESPN-UP and on the ESPN-UP app. If you missed any part of our show today, The Sports Pen podcast is available on demand. Get our free mobile app from the Apple iStore Store, Google Play, or look up ESPNUP.com and get the on-demand there. I want to squeeze the Patriots, the Red Sox, and the XFL into this segment uh, before we sign off here in a little less than 15 minutes. First, though, this has been fascinating, Michael. Have you seen this going around on Twitter? It's this tweet. It's got a GIF of, like, all these revolving college football helmets. Yeah, I've seen that one. Isn't this great? I love doing this. Like, the first one I got was so unrealistic. Look, here's what you do if you haven't seen this. It's a tweet that's got, like, a video of all the college football helmets, and they're going at, like, rapid pace, and they're rotating between all these different helmets. You have to touch the screen to make the video stop, and you do it four times. And whatever helmet you uh, make the video stop on those are the four teams that are going to the college football playoff mine was kansas state nebraska virginia tech and boise state yeah i got four of the same kind of caliber level of caliber yeah. schools first two i did so the first one i did i got nebraska then i was like okay whatever uh-huh. i did it again got nebraska again so i'm like all right nebraska's for sure going um and then after that i got iowa i got iowa minnesota and it's a Big Ten K- party. Iowa, Minnesota, and Kentucky. Wow. Big Ten is just loaded. I know. It's going to be incredible <laughs> next year, and Kentucky's going to steal the SEC away from everyone. Yeah. Which of those teams that we just named, those seven, would actually have the best chance of getting to the national, uh, to the college football playoff here anytime soon? Minnesota? They might. They might. How about a my group? Tech, Nebraska, K-State, or Boise? Boise, probably. Think so? Yeah, because Boise has that history and stuff like that. They were really close a couple of times and stuff like that. Can in they fact, get in, though, with a 14 if, format? I don't know. <laughs> I think K-State might have the best case of that group. Really? I don't think I think K-State is just too far away from it. Could be. Uh, yeah, all these teams are far away from it, but yeah. if there was anyone in that group, I can't even say Virginia Tech anymore. No. I can't. A few years ago, I probably would have. Back with Geno. No, that was West Virginia. Never mind. They had uh, Marcus Vick, Frank Beamer. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> These are some incredible players you're naming right here. Frank Beamer was a coach. <laughs> I tell you what, though, I've got this on here. I'm gonna do it one more time. I'm gonna do a sports pen version of this, just to you know, just to. Okay, go for it. All right. So here we go. Number one, Texas A&M. That's believable. Okay. Yeah, I could see that. Maybe Jimbo Fisher. All right. Let's go again. Miami. It's all about the U. A couple years ago. Yeah, maybe like 20. 20 if you need a couple. Uh, Manny Diaz, 6-7 and seven his first year with a loss to Florida International. So maybe if the rebuild is on. All right, here's the third team. Wisconsin. That's believable. I could believe that's that That's the one. best one we've gotten thus far. Yep. Texas A&M, Miami, Wisconsin, and... Stanford. <laughs> Look at that. <laughs> all right. This thing's bogus. The it's fighting busted. David Shaw's. I'm just going to do the 
first two out just for funsies. Florida. That's believable. Okay, I could buy that. Iowa State. The Cyclones? Mm. Mm, yes. Yes, very accurate. The Fighting Campbells. I tell you what, I like this gift. Someone should have done this a long time ago. Let's do this, though. Um, before we talk about the XFL, I just want to squeeze in Tom Brady and the Boston Red Sox because Brady said on Instagram today, he had like a, a long post. It was like the war and peace of Instagram post, but the two most important sentences in that said he is going to play in the NFL again next year. He's not retiring. He did not confirm that he will be playing for the Patriots next year. I mean, that. yeah, that's what we all sort of expected. Tom Brady always said he wants to play till he's 45, so if mm-hmm. he can't play for the Patriots, do you think that that would ruin his goal? No. No. But yeah, so, I mean, and that's the thing. He hasn't been re-signed, so, I mean, it's obvious. He, we don't know. I'm, I'm wondering because are there a few places that would give him a better chance to win than New England? I mean, that's like... You can't think about that if he's from the Bay Area, San Francisco. Yes, reunite him and Jimmy. I don't think that's going to happen. Las Vegas, for better or worse. What do you mean, Las Vegas? Oh, you mean the Raiders? Yeah, you think going to the Raiders? Okay. Yeah, I mean they're looking to get rid of Derek Carr. It seems like and stuff like that. But would they give him a better chance to win? Nope. (laughs) That's what I mean. I want to throw a few teams at you that have come up, and you tell me, would this organization give Tom Brady a better chance to win than New England, unless New England? you know, absolutely stocks up on the offensive end, which there's no guarantee they will. How about Indianapolis? I was just thinking that. I, I think that'd be a great fit yeah, for him. They still have a very strong defense. They have a good receiving core. They mm-hmm. have great tight ends with Eric Ebron and Jack Doyle. Marlon Mack is an underrated running back. I mm-hmm. think that that'd be a great offense to put Tom Brady in. Yeah. Plus, you have a former quarterback as your head coach. Yeah, yeah I think Frank that would Wright. work very well. I think that would in the offensive line there. I mean, he would just love it. Mm-hmm. because You know, and I'm not thinking of places that specifically have good defenses, even though Indy does, because New England had about as good of a defense you could ask for and Tom had his worst career year. But I'm thinking of teams that offensively he would do better in than New England. And Marcus Spears brought this one up today on Golick and Wingo. I disagree with that. I want to get your thoughts. He thought the Chargers would. Yeah, would the Chargers the are a team I've heard thrown around a lot, and I think that they have the best team straight up mm-hmm. in terms of teams that are looking for a quarterback, maybe besides Tampa Bay, but still. Mm-hmm. We, we could talk about Tampa Bay a little bit too if you want to. but. Well. I think that Keenan Allen, Melvin Gordon, well, we don't know if Melvin Gordon's going to be back, but even even without Melvin Gordon, you get the better running back, which is Austin Eckler. But this is a 5-11 and 11 team that you stick in an aging quarterback to, and a they're year removed, be better. A year removed from being 12-4, and four, they didn't have Derwin James. I think a lot of their uh, dysfunction this year just had to do with the play of Phillip Rivers, if we're being completely honest. So do you think that the Chargers would give him a better chance to win next year than New England? Yeah, I, 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 I would go in and say okay. that. I think that the Chargers have a better pass rush. I think with the reemergence of Derwin James, they just need to add one or two corners, and I think they'd be set. How about Chicago? No. No. Chicago doesn't have the offensive personnel to do it. Okay. Tampa Bay? Yeah. I think so. I love Bruce Arians. You, mm-hmm. know how, you know how I love Bruce Arians. He's no Bill Belichick, but Bruce Arians is quarterback coach. If anybody oh, yeah. can expand an aging quarterback's prime... Uh, or I guess there's no way he's going to be back into his prime, but just expand his abilities, I think that's the case. You have great uh, possession receivers with Cameron Brait and Mike Evans there, so I think that would work out Got well. Got too. Yeah. I think it would be a great group. I don't know that that's going to happen. And plus, you got that running back committee there with Peyton Barber and Ronald Jones, too, which is a system similar to what uh, Brady's used to in New England, so yeah. They could draft somebody. They could, too. What if yeah. they landed Jonathan Taylor? And what pick? 
That'd be know. like pick thirteen yeah, or something. Yeah, they trade up. You would. You're going to trade up for a running back? Why for Jonathan Taylor? I would. Mm, I don't know. Jonathan Taylor didn't have the best year this year. I know. I know that they have. Oh come on, mm. come on! He was the best running back in college football by far this yeah, year. Yeah, yeah, but he wasn't as good as we thought he was. Oh gonna be. come on! Remember, I, people were saying that about Sam Darnold and Josh Rosen, though. People were like, "Oh, they're by far the best quarterbacks here." But then they had a down year, and people were like, "Oh, they're still the best quarterbacks." Though. I did. I definitely never thought that. I thought that. never once. I, I know, being from California, people thought that. <laughs> um, <laughs> So it's just like that same sort of thing, and I'm getting that same sort of feeling from Jonathan Taylor this year. I don't think this would happen either, but what about Miami? No. No, I don't think it'll happen either. They just got rid of Minka Fitzpatrick. They're in full tank mode. Yep. I tell you what, is there anyone else that sticks out to you? Any a team, a t- well, so you have to take a look. Teams that need a quarterback, but teams that are still... How about Cleveland? No. No? No. Wouldn't he like playing with that group, though? It's a bad culture. Tom yeah, Brady's Tom Brady strives in the culture where he where he can be himself and spread the TB12 brand. They wouldn't let him do that, right? Um, what's a team that needs a quarterback but is still really good? <laughs> um, I mean, we kind of named them all. I think Pittsburgh. Is there another if, one? Pittsburgh. I mean, ben Roth. Ben Ron. Ben, ben. We don't know what's happening with Ben. Right. I think Washington is still a good team, and if Alex Smith doesn't come back, then yeah, you can get the next best option, which is Tom Brady. <laughs> um. <clears throat> Carolina, I think, is a good team. Okay. They're, they're looking for a quarterback. Yeah, I think Carolina would work. All right. Yeah. All right. Tell you what. Um, speaking of Boston sports, it was announced that the Red Sox uh, have been caught cheating. That I touched on it just briefly yesterday because Alex Cora was the manager of the 2018 Red Sox who won the World Series when this cheating occurred. He was also the bench coach for the 2017 World Series champion Houston Astros who were also caught cheating. Both times, they were stealing signs, Alex Cora being the common denominator there. I mean, if Pete Rose is being kept out of baseball, if you've got steroid guys that are personas non grata, uh, what are we going to do with Alex Cora? Shoeless Joe Jackson, another one there. There you go. Yeah, um... Personally, I have an unpopular opinion about this. Okay. I don't care. You don't care? I think this is happening whether we know it or not. It's just a matter of, like, the whole Belichick thing, too, with Belichick stealing or videotaping uh, sidelines and stuff like that. I think that's happening by ev- from every single team, but for some reason, the Patriots just aren't good at hiding it. I, I don't know about that. I think it is. I, I, I legitimately think it is. I, I legitimately 100% think that every team is trying to get an edge, whether it's one, one way or another. Well, I'm sure they are, but they have to discipline them when they do catch them because this can't be something that runs rampant. What, uh, I have an unpopular opinion about this. Maybe it's my like sort of defense of Barry Bonds, too, being a Giants fan and whatnot, but I think Barry Bonds should be in the Hall of Fame. A lot of people disagree with me on that, but it's just like... Every every single person, whether you know it or not, is trying to get an edge. They are trying to do something to win. And if you think that other teams aren't trying to steal signs and stuff like that, I'm sorry, that is happening. They're they're, well, they're I, doing I get it. stealing signs. I mean, if someone's just going to flash it out there, I mean, you just pick it up, sure. But when you're using like the replay system to to pick it off from that, somebody, then go back and study that. That's, I mean, what, that's what I'm saying. I'm 100% sure that there are other teams out there doing that right now. I'm sure there probably are. I'm sure the Red Sox aren't the only ones who have ever done this. But since they've been caught, baseball does need to make an example. I don't know. But like, Yeah, they need to make an example. They need to do something because it is against the rules. But I'm not saying that baseball doesn't need to do something. I'm saying that if I were in charge of baseball, I wouldn't care. You wouldn't care? No. Or steroids? No. Do you have any conscience? Do you have any morals? <laughs> Uh, morals in California. I think I think everybody needs to work with the same equipment uh, given to them. Okay. So like 
but personally, you're trying to make baseball fun. I wouldn't mind corks in the back and stuff like that, as long as every single person, as long as every single person uses it, like. As long as everybody's on an equal playing field. That's what pl- I mean, if it is an equal playing field. But we don't know that that's the case. We don't know that that's the case, but I can assure you that for, like, it's like everybody says. Like, and this is why I don't feel too badly about steroids. It's like, for every single person uh, who juiced up in Major League Baseball, there's a billion double-A boys who did the same thing. Uh, so, like, it's just a matter of, oh, when you get to the majors, all of a sudden it's frowned upon and stuff like that. Like, obviously people are going to try to get an edge and stuff like that. Obviously people are going to try to get better. You play better, you get more money. That's sort of the whole deal about the whole yeah, thing. Yeah, but if uh, if I'm struggling financially and I go rob a bank and I don't get caught, does that mean everybody should rob banks to no, get out of a financial situation? We just, we just said <laughs> that... We just said that uh, if you get caught, you need to be punished, obviously, and stuff like that. And just because you don't get caught doesn't mean it's not right. But as long as everybody's playing on an equal playing field, we don't know that everybody is. But I can assure you that there are people out there doing stuff like that. This is why, this is my defense for it, okay, for my thought process. Mm -hmm. Just make it legal. Everybody will do it. Everybody's on the same playing field. And stuff like that. I'd like. I, I do think it's kind of shady. The the one thing is like the sanctity of baseball is you don't try to look at the catcher's numbers that he's putting down before the pitch. And so that when you're in the batter's box, you don't like look back at his crotch and try to figure out what they're throwing. Right? You just don't. That's unbase. That's unprofessional and stuff like that. So I don't appreciate that. And obviously, it's happening like that with the Houston Astros and the Boston Red Sox. It's happening like that. I can't snap, but I wish you could hear it. But it's happening very fast. That's the one. Th- that's the one thing I don't like. And obviously, they're not going to stop giving signs because you need to do that. Otherwise, the catcher is going to be expecting a fastball, a curveball gets thrown, hits him in the shin, he's out for the year. So, but I wish there was a happy medium I could say. But I can tell you, every single team is cheating in one way or another. They're all trying to get an edge. You're like that Charlie Sheen quote: "Baseball's better with steroids." <laughs> That was that's that's basically you. Uh, you can, can you not like the viewership? Just the ratings back that statement up. I like. Uh, I, I know. I know it's an unpopular. I am opinion. not going to defend steroids. I am not. I know it's an unpopular opinion, but I can tell you that every single player is trying to get an edge. Every single player wants to make more money. Every single player wants to be in the Hall of Fame. Wants to be an All Star. Every single player wants to do stuff like that. How am I supposed to transition from that to the I don't NFL? Know. We're gonna do let's, it anyway, let's, though. Let's go to a to a league that <laughs> has no rules. <laughs> oh, they have rules, and yes. they are fun rules. I tell you what, they announced the rules yesterday. Dean Blandino's their head of officiating. Oliver Lux, the commissioner, they've both been on ESPN Radio throughout the day, and I am in love with like not. I wouldn't like it if the NFL did, but I like this kind of experimental league. Here's some of my favorites. You don't have the option to kick a PAT. Instead, you have to run a play. You can run a one play point play from the two-yard line, a two-point play from the three, or a three-point play from the ten. So you could get nine points of possession. Why would you ever go for a one-point play then for a one-yard one difference? Yeah, if it's a one-yard difference, why would you go for the one instead of the two? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. How about, um, let's see, what are the, oh, you can throw two forward passes as long as the first pass doesn't cross a line of scrimmage. I mean, that's sort of like the NFL. Like, it has to be no, a no, backward no, pass. No, 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 no. You can throw a forward pass as long as you drop back 15 yards, you throw it ahead 14 yards, and that guy can throw it. Yeah. I, I think that could be fun. That, that could be fun. But like I said, I think that's sort of like how the NFL is. And plus, if you drop back 15 yards and you find somebody open before the line of scrimmage, he's going to get tackled fast. So I doubt he's going to have enough time to throw another pass. My favorite rule, though, this one is my favorite. 
the <clears throat> overtime rules. I actually think this is better than the NFL. Like the NFL, I just I don't like the rules anyway. They're stupid. I would love to see something like this happen. They are doing a hockey style shootout in overtime. So you get five plays, five single possessions of one play from the ten yard line to get it in the end zone. It's just a matter of who gets. So after they score the touchdown, do they do have, do they do the one two three point play after? No, no. It's just you got to get it. You have one play to go ten yards into the end zone. Each team does that five times, just like a shootout. I really like that. I love that. I'm in love with that. I can't mm-hmm. wait to. I'm like going to be so excited for my first XFL game that goes to overtime. I need to pick a team. I don't know any of the teams. <laughs> if one of them's named the Dragons, obviously there that's is the a dragon. Who is that? Is it L.A.? No, they're the Wildcats. There is a dragon, though, I, I think. There needs to be a dragon. It's the XFL. you got to have a dragon. I swear I thought there was a Dragons. There needs, um, to, be, there needs to be a saber-toothed Tigers or something, too. There's the L.A. Wildcats. I think that's close. There's the Battlehawks in St. Louis. That's mm-hmm. kind of cool. Um, there's the Vipers. There's the Defenders. Uh, the Roughnecks. The Seattle Dragons. Seattle okay. Dragons. I can't root for Seattle. No. No, I can't root for Seattle. How about the New York Guardians? Um, eh. The Dallas Renegades? Eh. Is that all of them? Is there any Bay Area team? Probably not. I think there's just LA. Shame. <laughs> I tell you what. With that, we're out of time. Good to see you as always, my man. What's coming up at ABC 10 we should know about? Uh, well, of course, we got Friday Night Frenzy coming up. We weren't able to bring that to you last week due to a lack of personnel, but Friday Night Frenzy will be returning this Friday. Other than that, nothing we're looking forward to. Trying to get some more Thursday throwdowns set up. I'm um, looking at Jason Waterman right now. Jason Waterman's actually a fan of the show, so definitely right? want to do something with him. Yeah, Friday Frenzy? Yeah. All right. Well, hopefully you uh, get that going, and I'd love to see it. That's it for us here in ESPN-UP. Until tomorrow, I'm Tanner Hoops for John Michael Hoefling on ESPN-UP WZAM. Ishpeming Marquette.